Uh, first of all, thank you, Kate. Uh, love of my life. Uh, secondly, can anyone play drums? I mean, please, if you are here and you have any talent, any rhythm or not, uh, but you're willing to play drums, please uh, come and deliver the church from my box, box, box playing. Uh, we, as Kate said, are talking about Psalms. And Psalms, if you're new to faith, it's right slap bang in the middle of the Bible. It's 150 different songs. It's poetry. Because actually, if you want something to tell you about God, if you want some scriptures that will inform you, that will enlighten you, you actually need to go beyond just propositions. God is like this. The world is like that. Humans are like this. We need something more. We need to have something that touches the heart. And Psalms is the songbook of the heart. And all of human emotion is in the Psalms. And if you are watching here, um, if you're watching online or if you're here uh, and you're not really sure about faith, maybe you're a little bit on the edges, maybe you've been brought by a friend, or maybe you're just trying to dip your toes back in after a while out, uh, you just need to know that every negative thing you can say about faith, every negative argument that you can come about against God, every act of aggression or frustration or disbelief or doubt, all of that is already in the book of Psalms. Because the Bible doesn't shy away, it doesn't try and just push it to one side or bury it uh, under the, what do you bury things under? Push things under the rug, brush things under the carpet, is that right? Okay, I just need to say I'm on holiday right now, so uh, uh, this is going to be a little bit random because I am in holiday mode, so I'm just going to talk off the top of my head. But that's what Psalms is all about. It's poetry, it's songs, it's lyrics, it's sometimes a raw howl of pain, sometimes it's uh, an ecstasy of delight. But all of Psalms and all of uh, human emotion and human life and human experience is in the book of Psalms. So we're going to go through, um, we've got different people coming in each week to talk about a Psalm that means a lot to them. And tonight I'm kicking it off. Um, but it's with that kind of backdrop that um, this is a place where we express ourselves. It's a place where we can find a song that reflects how we're feeling on the inside. So I'm kind of just going to talk randomly, like I said, and I'm going to tell you some stories. Um, and the first story is this. I think it was about 18 months ago. I was just feeling like God was a little bit far away or, or that it was, had been a while since I'd really felt his encouragement. And you need encouragement to carry on the Christian life, right? Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Chloe. She's doing her best. She's nodding vigorously. Um, and so I began to pray a prayer. And I prayed this prayer. Dear Lord God, I want to hear a word from you. I want you to send someone to me to speak to me from you. Someone who doesn't know me, someone that I don't know, someone who's outside of my situation. And I want them to come and speak something powerful to me from you. And I prayed this prayer. Lord God, I could really do with encouragement. Lord God, I could really do with some help. Send someone to speak to me from you. And I prayed like this for, I think it's about four weeks, five weeks. And then one Sunday morning, um, for some random reason, I never go running uh, on Sunday mornings. But this Sunday morning, I just got up and I thought, do you know what? For some weird reason, I feel like running. And I'm going to run on the downs, which is where I run near my house. And I'm running on the downs and I'm kind of into it. And I've, I've done about 3K and suddenly past me, this car overtakes and then slows down. Little red small car. 
And a few yards ahead of me, the car stops. And then the door opens, and then a woman gets out and she looks intently at me as I run, panting and puffing towards her. And as I get up to her, she points her finger at me and she says, you're Philip. And I said, yes, I am. She says, and I tell you the truth, no word of a lie. God has told me to give you a word of encouragement. And she proceeded to give me this encouragement. And it was really, really powerful. It was on the money. It was on the button. It was one of those things where you think, ah, oh, there is a God. Because this woman is speaking directly into my path, into the things that I'm looking for. And it's very, very encouraging. And I take it, and uh, you know how these things are. You feel excited about it for a few days, a couple of weeks, and then it kind of just goes into one of those things in your memory banks. But about, I think it was about four months later, I went to preach in a church, and uh, it's one of the Woodlands Church family churches, and I went and I spoke there in the morning, and then after I finished speaking, I saw the woman, she came up to me, and she said, you're Philip, yes, we've done this. Uh, she said, I was the woman that gave you that word from God. And I said, yes, that's so cool. And she said, I heard that you were speaking in our church this morning, and I asked God to give me another word. And he gave me the same word for you, but also something extra. And then she put this card into my hands. And I tell you the truth, no word of a lie. It was so encouraging. It was exactly what I needed to hear. God is, is kind to us. And if we call out, he will answer. If we're looking and if we cry out to God, he never fails to come. It may take perseverance, it may pay, take persistence, but God longs to speak and he longs to encourage and he longs to be close to us. And so this is the card. It came about, I guess it's about a year ago now, and ever since it's been on my desk and it had this incredibly powerful word on it. But there was a little kind of postscript at the end of it, a psalm, a verse from the psalm. And I looked at that and I'm like, I don't know that psalm, I don't know that verse. I'm just going to ignore it because the other stuff is so good. And then um, it sat on my desk and I would sort of just be encouraged by it. But then a few weeks, a couple of months, and it sort of fades into the background. And I was feeling a little bit, again, I'm a, such a weakling, I'm a spiritual baby. Uh, I was feeling in need of more encouragement from God and I thought, I've got that card on my desk and I'll read it. And then I thought, I wonder what this psalm means. I wonder what it is, because I, I read it. It didn't really make sense. I, I couldn't get it. I couldn't understand it. Maybe I should do a little bit of digging. And it's Psalm 138. And as I looked at it, suddenly it was like, oh my days. This is so, so powerful for me. This is so relevant for me. This is so uplifting. This changes everything. And I want to share it with you because it's something that I've been praying pretty much every morning for the last two, three months since I've rediscovered it. And what we're going to do is we're going to find how not just the one verse in this scripture that encouraged, encouraged, <laughs> holiday, the one word that encouraged me, it's encouraged, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I'm normally a little bit more articulate than this, but you know, um, I'm going to give you the word that encouraged me, but I'm also giving, going to give you one word. And if you take nothing else out of this message tonight, I hope and I pray to the living God that you take this one word away, because this one word will make you love God more. One word. And it's a word that, honestly, I haven't really been up to speed with that much. 
until, I don't know, a few years ago. But even now, just looking at this psalm in preparation for today, it suddenly it's, it's, got, it's loomed large in my consciousness. And I want to share that with you. It's a really, really powerful word. It's a word that we don't talk about enough. And I want to, I want to just reverse that injustice. I want to bring this word back. I want this word to trip off your tongue. I want this word to be something that everyone is aware of. It's an Old Testament word. It's a Hebrew word. But it's a very, very powerful, weird, wonderful word. So we're going to read the psalm. And what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to see and if you can pick out where the word is. And I'll give you a little clue. It comes twice. So let's look at the psalm. Let's read it. I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. I will bow down towards your holy temple and will praise your name for your unfailing love and your faithfulness. For you have so exalted your solemn decree that it surpasses your fame. When I called, you answered me. You greatly emboldened me. May all the kings of the earth praise you, Lord, when they hear what you have decreed. May they sing of the ways of the Lord, for the glory of the Lord is great. Though the Lord is exalted, he looks kindly on the lowly. Though lofty, he sees them from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. The Lord will vindicate me. Your love, Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the works of your hands. Now, that is a great psalm. And if you want to understand that psalm, you kind of need to begin almost at the end. If we focus in on this little phrase, though I walk in the midst of trouble. This is a psalm for anyone that is experiencing trouble, challenge, grief. If you're going through a hard time, this is a psalm for you. If you're wrestling with your faith, or if you're wrestling with your doubt, if you're wrestling with your prospects, maybe you are in a time of transition, maybe you've graduated university, you're not quite sure what you're going to do next. Or maybe you're in a difficult period in your career, in work. Or, or maybe relationally, you're a little bit adrift. Maybe some stuff has broken down or maybe some stuff is not happening that you want to happen. Or maybe you have someone in your life that you love, that you care for, who is in pain, in trouble, in difficulty. I spoke to a woman this morning. I said, I was speaking in Woodland Central uh, and I, I spoke to this woman with her family in the foyer. I said, how are you doing? She said, Philip, not so good. The big C, chemo, radiotherapy, starts soon, don't know. And it is a psalm for people who face those kinds of issues and the family and the loved ones and the friends of people that face those kinds of issues. But honestly, it is even better if you're not struggling. It's better if your struggle and your challenge is in your future because you will go through times of challenge. We all do. We always do. There's always uh, pain and trouble and suffering somewhere on the horizon. And actually, if we get this psalm, it can help us to prepare, to be robust, resilient, able to cope. It is how do followers of Jesus navigate the storms of life, the difficulties of life. This psalm tells us it's all about trouble. It's all about suffering. But if I understand the principles, even though I walk in the midst, in the very teeth, in the, the, the very grip of suffering and trouble, I'll experience the preservation of God. And so this is where the psalm 
starts. Verse 1. This is the, the key. He says, I will praise you. Everyone say, I will praise you. I will praise you. Very good. I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. When we talk about praise, it's not a response necessarily of gratitude because things are so wonderful and so fantastic. Praise is an act of your will. So if you are a Jesus person, if you're a follower of Christ, if you are looking to go on this journey of faith, praising God, in other words, giving God glory, giving God worth, is something that you have to do. You have to choose to do it. It's not God's been so good to me and so I'm going to praise him. It is I am making a conscious cold light of day decision to praise God. And I'm going to do it with all of my heart. How many of you, put your hand up, no, seriously, don't put your hand up. But how many of you, at times, your faith isn't wholehearted? It's a bit of my life. It's a portion, it's a segment, it's a part of my life. But I've got many parts in my life. I've got work, I've got friends, I've got pleasure, I've got Friday night. I've, I've got my pursuits, I've got my dreams, I've got all the distractions. And, and I've also got my God stuff, I've got my Jesus part. And yet I show up at church when I can. But the psalmist says, I'm going to praise God with all of my heart. Nothing held back. I'm not going to give God a part of my heart. I'm not going to give him a divided heart. God says, you can give me a broken heart. And that's okay. Just don't give me a divided heart. A partial heart. A half-hearted heart. You give God all your heart. And this... This discipline of determining that I will praise God no matter what, just as a matter of course. This is who I am and this is what I do. I am a person that praises God. And that's why I love when we have a band like this and, you know, the Cronky Cajon guy and we're doing our best, but it doesn't matter because we're here to praise God and we'll do it with a little, I don't know, beatbox. We'll do it however we can, because we've determined we will praise God. And then he says, before the gods, what does that mean? It means that we live in a world that worships all kinds of gods, little g. Idols, things from which we get self-worth. Some people, their god is their, their look, how they physically appear. Some people, their God is their partner or their dream of a perfect partner. Some people, their God is money, resources, the things, the possessions that they own. Some people, their God is their intellect, their philosophy, and they trust. We trust in science. I don't believe in God. I believe in science. Well, it, it's, it's like your God. And David says, look, in the midst, surrounded by all these competing gods who want to defy me and give me my value, give, my, give me my worth, I'm going to praise the one true God with all of my heart. It's very easy to be sucked in with all these different things. But David said, I'm going to praise God with all my heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. And he goes down. He says, I will bow down towards your holy temple and will praise your name for your unfailing love and your faithfulness. Everyone say unfailing love. Okay, 
quick survey. When you went through the psalm, who knew what the word was? Or who had a guess at what the word was that I was thinking? Impossible. Any guesses? I've got a PhD student here in theology. Wild guess, it's in yellow. Unfailing love. Round of applause for Katrina. It's hard because this is a word that is a Hebrew word for which there is no really good translation. Okay, we're gonna, this is the word that I'm going to avail. And it's a very, very precious word. It's a very, very powerful word. It's translated here, unfailing love, and it's translated in the rest of the psalm later on as just love. In fact, sometimes it's translated as kindness, loving kindness. You'll find different translations in different versions of the Bible. Look at the King James, it's loving kindness. Sometimes it's mercy, sometimes it's faithfulness. But this is the Hebrew word. It's the Hebrew word chesed. Everyone say chesed. chesed. Very good. You've got to kind of do a little bit of uh, when you do that. And be careful that you're not looking directly at someone else when you do it. But chesed or hesed. It is kind of, the best way to put it, it's, it's like the amalgamation of three different words and concepts that we have in English. So first of all, it's love. So chesed is the love of God. I could sing of your love forever. God is love. I just can't get over this stuff. Because I don't know about you, but some of us, when we read the Old Testament, and particularly if you're not used to church or if this is all kind of a little bit alien to you, you can think about the Old Testament and that's like the one with all the smiting and the, the vengeance and all that stuff and people being smote all over the shop. And we have this idea of God being a, a kind of a harsh God. The Old Testament God is really, really tough. I mean, it might be tough, tough love, but it's mostly tough. And then he gets to the New Testament and God kind of softens up a little bit, becomes a little bit more loving and Jesus comes into the picture. No, God has always been defined by love. This word chesed, it actually appears in almost every single book of the Old Testament because you cannot tell the story of God without talking about love. God is love. It is his essential being. As Kate said, did you say this or did I dream it? Did you say it earlier about creating? Was that when we were praying? You said it just now. God didn't create the world primarily in power, not even primarily in wisdom. But he created it in love. Because God is love. And if you take nothing else away, take this. And if you are just testing the waters, take this. God is love. Now that word chesed, love, it is scattered through around about 250 times in the Old Testament, because that's the bit that's written in Hebrew. But in Psalms, more than half of all of those occurrences happen in this book of Psalms. 128 times chesed, chesed, love. But it's not just love, it's generosity. So God is not only loving, but he's lavish, he's extravagant. He gives and he gives and he gives and he gives. He's not stingy, he doesn't hold back, he's not miserly, he's not measured. He is abundantly giving, lavishly generous. And this word chesed, it says, I praise you Lord, because, not because of what you do, but who you are. You are pure love. And your pure generosity 
And then it combines it with this third thing that just locks it into place. And that is everlasting, enduring commitment. So it's loyalty. Sometimes it's called loyal love. Now, if you've been around church a number of years, you may have heard the New Testament word or the Greek word agape. Put your hands up if you've heard the word agape. Okay, most of us, because it's kind of like a Christian cliche almost. Agape is other-oriented, choice-based, self-sacrificing love. It's the love as demonstrated perfectly by Jesus on the cross. God's love is choice-based. It's not based on your worth. It's not based on your value. It's not based on your performance. It's other-oriented. In other words, it's not I love you because you make me feel good. It's I love you because of who you are, because I choose and choose to love you for yourself. But it's self-sacrificing. It's not just, uh, well, you know, I love you and it's a nice feeling. It is, I will give my life for you. And the cross demonstrates the one truth, that God would rather die than live without you. That is agape. That is love. But chesed is just as wonderful. It's God is expansively loving. He is incredibly generous and he's enduringly faithful. And he makes a commitment to you. And all through scripture, all through the Old Testament, this word keeps coming up. And if you don't know what to look for, you'll never see it. But if you Google the word chesed, K-H-E-S-E-D, sometimes it's just H-E-S-E-D, because who needs the ch? Uh, you will find it's sprinkled everywhere through scripture. So in the book of Ruth, Ruth, who shows to her mother-in-law, uh, Naomi, this enduring love, where you go, I will go, where you are, I will be. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be by your side. And when the people saw it, they looked at her and they said, you have committed an act of chesed. This is chesed. This is loyalty. This is generous. This is faithful commitment through thick, through thin. It's not performance-based. It's not because I feel like it. It's because I've chosen to. And here's the truth. David says, I'm going to praise God, not because of anything that he's done for me and not because I'm feeling in a particularly great mood. I'm going to praise you because you are faithful and committed and loyal and loving and I don't deserve it and I don't warrant it and I don't merit it, but it is something that goes on and on and on and on. Chesed, chesed. I want to tell you a story about chesed. I want to tell you about, bless you, two of the people that I not only love most in the world, but respect more than anybody else in the world. Present company accepted. Kind of. It's a close tie. But you, you, you agree with me, don't you? Certainly Kate respects them more than she respects me. And so she should, because they're amazing. My mother and my father. Do you know what? I preached at Woodlands this morning and I, I, I disgraced myself because I just cried. I prayed at the end and I prayed about people in pain and people in suffering. I just, I just wept like a baby. So I'm going to try not to weep. I don't know why I should weep, but I feel like weeping because, you know, God is good and the world is full of pain and people go through such suffering. My mother, she is 26, not now, but this is back then. <laughs> she is single white female. 
Yorkshire girl in the 60s. She meets this incredible African man. Things progress. He asks her, will you marry me? He did it in a very, really, really bad way. He was hopeless, but she got the message and she said yes. She told her parents and her parents said, you're no daughter of ours. We cannot condone this. You're marrying a black man. Get out of our house. And a week before the wedding, she was disowned by her parents. Now, that proud black man, Nigerian-born, Muslim-raised, follower ardently of Allah, he walks into a church, he's 19 years old, a preach preaches, and there's miracles that happen. And then, amazingly, that young man, that young Nigerian student, has a vision that appears in front of him. It's the risen Lord Jesus Christ. That's why my dad's called Paul, by the way, because they changed his name from Muhammad to Paul because it was like a Damascus Road experience. And as my father saw Jesus, his heart was melted. Chesed, love, generosity, enduring commitment. And so they come together, and my mother has no one to walk her down the aisle. My parents, my grandparents, their words are ringing in her ears. They say, what you're doing is evil. In fact, they actually got members of the clergy, including some famous preachers that were up in York at the time that you would have heard of, that you would maybe have read their books, to come and sit with my mother and to talk her out of this wicked thing. And to add insult to injury, they said, think of the children. Your children will be imbeciles. I mean, maybe, slight point. But as she walks down the aisle, God speaks to her. Chesed, I will be faithful to you. I will be loyal to you. So we grew up poor, because not only was my mum thrown out, but my dad was disowned by his parents. Muslim family, you can't be a follower of Jesus if you're a Muslim. And it turns out that my dad was actually super rich. My dad used to be driven to school every day with a driver and a bodyguard, an armed bodyguard, because they were so rich. But he, over here, 19 years old, sent for his education, cut off without a penny. We grew up poor. I remember my mum used to <laughs> make our clothes. So like the sound of music, you know, curtains would have little uh, T-shirt shaped holes in them. And we'd be going around in this paisley stuff. She, she would knit our clothes. We had no house. We had no car. I remember we would just live in different people's houses for times. I remember we were once given a car and it was like, yeah, thank you, Lord, but it's, it's, the, it's awful. I really, really don't like that car. I remember we, we'd go up a hill, we'd all have to get out and push it from behind, get to the top of the hill and get back in the car again. I remember saying to my dad, please, please, please don't drive me to the school gate. Stop here and I will walk the rest of, we were, we were poor. But the school that my dad was driving me to was the most expensive school in the city because chesed. God says, I will never abandon you. He says, though your father and mother forsake you, the Lord will not abandon you. I'm loyal and I'm faithful and I'm committed and I'm generous. And so me, my brother, we went to these fancy schools. 
And actually, we did get given a nice car at one point, and it was better than the old, horrible Russian Soviet era thing that we were left with. But scholarships and grants and, and amazing provisions. Oh, I remember saying to my parents, Mum, Dad, I want a flute. I used to play the flute, <laughs> much better the flute. Um, but I was, you know, getting quite good at school. And my teacher said, he needs a flute. We can't afford a flute. We have no money. And I remember us all gathered around the kitchen table and my mum taking my hand. So we're going to pray. I said, the Lord's faithful. He's generous. He's kind. He's good. And we're going to praise him together. We're going to pray for this amount. I remember walking down the stairs the next morning and seeing this odd envelope on the mat. And I gave it to my mum. She opened it up, the exact amount for the flute. Still got that flute. I haven't played it in years. <laughs> Hesed. But I remember as a child seeing my parents throwing themselves on the love of God and the generosity of God and the committed, faithful loyalty of God. And we saw them come through time and time again. And then a weird thing happened when I was 18. My mother, my grandmother, she died and she left everything to my dad. And then suddenly we were rich. And we moved, uh, in order to do the church, my parents moved to London, they planted a church and they got churches all over the world. And uh, they lived in some kind of horrible temporary accommodation. And then one day someone said, hey, this thing has come onto the market and they want a quick sale and it's about half the price of what it is. And so they moved into this amazing immaculate house in, in Streatham outside a rolling common in one of the most exclusive areas in London. And they called the house, if you want to address a letter to my parents, the name of the house is Hesed. I remember at the time saying to my mum, oh, that's lame, that's so lame. But I think I get it now. It's God's loving loyalty, his kindness. And you may be here and you may be having a hard time, you may feel far away from God. You just need to know that he is loving and generous and committed to you. And if you call on his name, then he will answer you. And so David says, he says, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. To which point you say, well, excuse me, what, wait, hang on. I thought God was kind and I thought he was generous and I thought he was loving and I thought he was faithful and I thought he was committed to me. What is all this about walking through trouble? Surely the point of all this whole malarkey is to avoid the trouble in the first place. Surely that's what Christians are offered, a trouble-free, hassle-free life. No. Even though I walk through the midst of trouble, you will preserve Sometimes God takes us through the midst of trouble. Sometimes he saves us from it. But sometimes you've got to go through it. And it's only as you go through it that you can see the extent of God's right arm. That's the powerful, skilled arm. It's my left arm, isn't it? He is able to preserve us and help us and keep us. And then it goes on, and this is the verse that was given to me. The Lord will vindicate me. Your love, chesed, Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the works 
of your hands. And every morning I pray that prayer. <laughs> the Lord will vindicate me. Your love, Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the works of your hands. Because when God extends to you his loyal love, and it is for all of us, no one here is outside of the realm and the remit of God's love. No one is excluded from this. This is an all-in, everyone welcome love for your heavenly Father welcomes you in. And he says that love that endures will take care of you. And so your love, your hesed, it endures forever. Your commitment, your loyalty to me. If you don't feel like God is close to you, you just, I just want you to take this and I want you to meditate on it. In fact, you know what? Reading Psalms is such a great thing. You could read uh, five Psalms a day for the rest of August. Well, we haven't started August. So take August. Every day, read five Psalms and you'll get through all of them. Some of them are literally just two or three verses long. Um, but you can just taste them and, and, and meditate them and, and mull them over and chew them over. But every day I'm in this, the Lord will vindicate me. That word vindicate, by the way, uh, another translation of that word is to complete or to perfect, to make it come to its natural conclusion, to its end. In other words, he's brought me this far, he's going to take me forward. He has done this in my life, he's going to finish it and bring it to its natural conclusion. He's going to vindicate me, even though my life circumstances may look like I've been abandoned, that I've been left destitute, that I am friendless, faithless, godless. No, he will not let me down. He will not leave me in the lurch. He will vindicate, he will perfect, he will complete the good thing that he has started. Why? Because his chesed, his chesed, it endures forever. He's loving, he's generous, he's committed to you. And ultimately, it's the work of his hands. You're the work of God's hands. You're his creation. You're his handiwork, his masterpiece. You're not accidental. You're not incidental. You are treasured and valued and created in love. And he will complete the good thing that he has done in you. And he won't abandon the work of his hands. It's not in his best interest. I pray to God to help me, not about me. It's about God. It's about his promise. It's about how he looks. Sometimes I say to God, you've got to come through for me or we'll both be embarrassed. And you wouldn't want that, would you? And I think God responds to that prayer. I think that God responds to that prayer for the church. You know, I pray for this church and we pray for the church all the time, every day. And we say, Lord God, don't abandon the work of your hands. Don't lead us halfway along the track and then just let us skitter down into oblivion and distress. Many churches all over our city in difficulty and, and dire straits right now. And I pray, Lord God, don't abandon the work of your hands. You started this. You set this up. This is your idea. This is your works. You do this. Otherwise, we both look bad. And, and you're going to look worse than me because you're God. And I'm expected to be rubbish. So don't abandon the work of your hands. But Psalms, it gives me a space and a place where I can find comfort and I can find someone that identifies with what I'm going through right now. And that's why Psalms is so important. Yes, we need the God is this and you are that and the world is this. But sometimes you just need some poetry. 
Sometimes you need a song. Sometimes you need a catchy tune to twirl around your brain. You need to let it get into your bloodstream and begin to mess with your DNA so it changes you from the inside out. So I want us to pray, and I want to pray that we would have, each of us individually, an experience of God's hesed, his love. I'll tell you this. Some of you here and some of you watching, you feel abandoned by God. You feel like, yeah, nice message, nice about your parents. By the way, my, my parents, they watch most weeks. So thanks, Mum. Thanks, Dad. You are awesome. I love you. Can't wait to go on holiday with you on Friday. But, um, you know, you may be sitting here thinking, yeah, but it, it's not in my life. I'm not experiencing that. My relationship got broken. My work is a disaster. My, my living accommodation, I don't know, I'm going to get through this crisis of living. What about the wildfires? What about the planet? Actually, despite all of that, we say, I will praise the Lord. I will praise you, Lord, with all of my heart. When it's hard, with all of my heart. When I'm in pain, with all of my heart. With my disappointment, with my grief, with my anger, with my questions, with my apathy. Every part of me, I'm going to praise God. Why? Because he is love. And he's generous. And he has committed himself to me. Let's pray. Just take a moment of quiet, just pause. I want you to make your own response to God right now. I want you to acknowledge what you're going through. I want you just to, to reach out. Maybe you are not used to the God stuff, but maybe quietly in the privacy of your own mind, you just pray a little prayer that says, God, I could really do with your help. I prayed a simple prayer and God sent someone to interrupt my run. It blew my world. God loves you. He's kind to you. He's faithful. So you speak to him now.